Well, hello there, and welcome back to Divine Connections. This is a podcast about connecting divine truth, God's Word, to our everyday life. And we are at the third in a three-part series about gaining or regaining an eternal perspective when we're all bummed out. Now, in today's episode, we're going to encounter King Hezekiah getting what most of us would think of as the worst possible news. God has sent the prophet Isaiah to the king with a message. Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Well, let me ask you, what would you do? How would you respond? Is there even a right response to that kind of news? Should King Hezekiah have had a different response than the one he did have? Well, there's no way to know for certain, but there are clues. And the clues provide us a trail of breadcrumbs that lead us to three important questions we have to answer if we want to gain an eternal perspective when confronted with incredibly bad news. This is episode 28. Listen in. You know, This story is in 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 to 11, and I'm going to read it just to kind of help frame for you this message that has come to King Hezekiah. So again, 2 Kings 20, 1 to 11, it says, In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah The son of Amos came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and I have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Bring a cake of figs and let them take and lay it on the boil that he may recover. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And Isaiah said, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? And Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen ten steps. Rather, let the shadow go back ten steps. And Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord, and he brought the shadow back ten steps by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. Now, there's a lot in just these 11 verses. But the first and foremost thing that I think we have to take note of 
is that Hezekiah had been a good king. He really had. Uh, as God refers to your father, David, well, King David wasn't actually Hezekiah's father, but King David had been a good king, a righteous king over Israel. And so God is putting Hezekiah in that company with kings like David. And they were very few, actually. There were very few good kings. And so God is recognizing that, that Hezekiah had, in fact, been a good king. In fact, this is Hezekiah's report card in 2 Kings 18, 1 to 7. This is what God says about him. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father, there it is again, had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Ashtaroth. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. And it was called Nehushtan, I guess. You can guess. You can read it. <laughs> he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord he did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments of the Lord commanded by Moses. Now, here's why all of that is important to our story in chapter 20. You know, we sometimes forget we are New Testament believers. We live under a covenant of grace. And we forget that the children of Israel lived under a covenant of law. Their relationship was, with God was conditional on their conduct, in particular on their obedience to the laws that were given to them. It says this in Exodus 19.5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. Now, there were lots of other conditional promises also made to Israel, and they were all, uh, if you could see I'm doing air quotes, conditioned upon their compliance with the laws. So in other words, the blessings, the promises that Israel received from God were conditional promises. They were conditioned upon their obedience to God's commands and their adherence to this covenant that was made. Um, and one of those promises was of long life to those who obeyed God. So when Hezekiah turns his face to the wall, you know, I remember years and years ago reading this and thinking, he's just pouting. He's pouting. He's whining and crying and pouting. But in actuality, what he's doing is turning and praying in private. This man did have a prayer relationship with God. Uh, you see that throughout his reign as king. And so he turns in private, even though Isaiah the prophet is still in the room with him, Hezekiah turns to the wall and in private, he asks God to remember 
how he has in fact lived in obedience to God's laws, and he had had a loyal heart toward God. So in other words, Hezekiah is reminding God of those conditional promises and showing God that he's been diligent to, as it were, hold up his part of the bargain, of the covenant. Now, in James 4, 2 and 3, it says, you have not because you ask not. Well, right here, we see Hezekiah asks, and God, in fact, answers. In fact, there's almost no delay. Before Isaiah can even get all the way out of the palace area, it says in verse 4, before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you, and on the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. So God sends the prophet to give Hezekiah some time to set his house in order, but Hezekiah pleads for healing, and God grants his request. So instead of dying at age 39, he will live to be 54. So that's all good, right? That's a great outcome all around, isn't it? Well, maybe not. You see, up until this time, Hezekiah had been a good king, and he had done much, so much, in fact, to restore the worship of God and eradicate idolatry, which was rampant, in Judah. But in the coming 15 years that God grants him, He'll father a son, and that son will completely undo all of the good that his father had done. He will turn out to be the most wicked king ever to reign over Judah. Now, Hezekiah was bummed out when Isaiah came to him with the message to set his house in order. Now, even though it's natural to pray for healing, was it really the best outcome? We can't know except to see what the results were for the nation Israel. And when we look at the outcome for the whole nation, we see that it had, in fact, terrible consequences. This highlights the fact that the events of our lives do not only affect us. And right here, right at this very spot, is where the eternal perspective is crucial in helping us cope when we're confronted with very bad news. So I want to suggest three questions that we have to learn to honestly ask ourselves. And I, I thought about this and I prayed about it. I thought, what is there in this story of Hezekiah other than just, you know, God telling us, here's what happened and us seeing the miracle, a miracle of healing with figs put on a boil and that rescues his life or the other miracle of the, the um, sundial going back those 10 steps. Other than those things, we, we have to ask ourselves, did this all really turn out for the better? 
So here are three questions we need to learn to honestly ask ourselves. The first one is this. Do I really believe that God is in control of my life, of my health, of my marriage, of my family, of my career, my wealth, whatever the circumstance involves? Do I really believe that God is in control of that? And then question number two, am I content to allow God to be God? concerning the outcome of this circumstance or situation? And number three, is there something yet to do in my life relating to the situation or the circumstance? You know, we began this episode by saying that King Hezekiah received what most of us would think of as possibly the worst news you could ever get. But I want to suggest to you that there is another way to look at the news that Hezekiah received. For example, what if this is what Hezekiah heard from the prophet Isaiah? Hezekiah, your work here on earth is almost complete, and I am giving you a little brief time to conclude anything else you feel must be set in order before I welcome you into my presence and into the joy of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, into the the place of the great kings like David. What if that had been the way this message came to Hezekiah, or just the way that Hezekiah received it from Isaiah the prophet? What if instead of thinking, set your house in order, you will not recover, you're going to die, I mean, that, just the way it's even phrased, to us, that sounds awful. But what instead, if the focus had been, Hezekiah, I'm almost ready to welcome you into my presence. The work, the labor, the trials that you've had here on this earth, they are swiftly coming to a close. And I'm going to give you a little window of opportunity to say your goodbyes, to give a charge to your children, to once again comfort your wife or any other relatives, and then come and be in my presence. Enter into that joy of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, into all the promises of this covenant relationship with God. You see, Hezekiah received the message as bad news, but was it really bad news? Was being invited to come home to God such tragic news? Was it such a miserable outcome to be avoided at all possible costs? You know, Jonathan Edwards casts this in a completely different way from the way we typically think about our homegoing, our death. He says, God is the highest good of the reasonable creature. And the enjoyment of him is our proper happiness, and it is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven, to fully enjoy God, is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here, better than fathers and mothers, than husbands and wives or children, or the company of any or all earthly friends. These are but shadows, 
but the enjoyment of God is the substance. These are scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. Can you and I really say with King David, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing, and you hold my future. I want to say, having gone through this series, we looked at the worship leader Asaph. We looked at the mighty prophet Elijah. And now we've looked at a king, Hezekiah. And I just want to ask you, do you long for a mind that is clear of confusion? Like what Asaph needed, he was confused about why the wicked seem to prosper and the righteous have all manner of trial and difficulty. Or a heart that's free from anxiety and fearfulness, as Elijah's heart was when he was threatened by Jezebel and ran all that way so far that an angel of God had to come and minister to him because the journey had been too much. And in the end, God asked the prophet, What are you doing here? Your heart is overcome with anxiety and fearfulness. You've let yourself get to a place I've never intended you to be. Or do you long for a spirit that's just willing to let God be God, which may have been the thing that Hezekiah missed, the thing he should have been willing to do? If that's your desire for a mind that's clear of confusion, a heart that's free from anxiety and fearfulness, and a spirit that's willing to let God be God, then cultivate and cling to an eternal perspective of your life. I just feel like we have to be reminded sometimes that this life, this life we live here on earth, it is but a tiny pinpoint on the infinite timeline of our eternal life. Don't ever let it grow out of proportion in importance. Instead, I think we need to practice pushing our thoughts and our hopes forward into eternity. And when we do that, we'll discover the strength and the clarity we need to cope with the things, the circumstances and situations, and yes, the news that sometimes might otherwise overwhelm us, leading us to despair and hopelessness. I would say that it would do each of us, do our heart and our soul and our mind good to memorize David's closing words in Psalm 1611. He said, God, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Don't ever fear your future. I want to tell you it is safe in your loving Heavenly Father's care. Our God, you said that you have written in your book the days that are ordained for us before there's yet one of them. And so I pray in this message we had today and Lord, also in the truth 
that has come to us from Asaph's experience and Elijah's experience, that you would help us to cling to an eternal perspective of life, that we would, in fact, keep things in perspective. We would give proportional weight to the long eternity that is coming to us and all the joy. As Jesus said, enter into the joy of your master. Lord, that's what we want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear and we want to know in our own hearts that we have accomplished the work you set out for us in this life and then be willing to hold this life in an open palm for you to be God to do with our life while we are here living it and when you're bringing it to a close for you to be God over our lives. We trust you with it, Lord. And where we have any doubt at all or anxiety, I pray that your love would drive that out, that we would remember that you are a good and wonderful God whose plans for us are good and wonderful, and that your grace covers us while we live and carries us on through passing out of this life into eternal life, where we will have fullness of joy in your presence and pleasures at your right hand forevermore. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. You know, you can connect with me on Instagram at Kelly J. Grace, and you can find resources for your own spiritual growth at kellyjgrace.com. That's my website. If you've enjoyed the podcast, would you please share it with a friend? And if you haven't yet done it, go to Apple Podcasts to leave a review so others can find us here too. I will see you next time when we'll begin a whole new series, seven messages all about the different relationships in our lives as women. I'll see you then.